Episode 31 of A Beer with Sam and Peter. We're getting kind of long in the tooth. I feel like I say Wait, that. No, you say that every, every time. time. But I just, I just, you know what? We do, I guess what that actually tells it tells me is that we are really not long in the tooth. Like we're still in that stage where I'm just amazed that we made this. And like every time we make <laughs> one, I was like, wow, we made this many. I'm sure, I'm sure when we did like episode three, you can roll back. And, and Sam said we're long in the tooth. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Episode three. <laughs> Halfway to Look retirement. at us. Yeah. Oh God. Anyway. Yeah. Welcome to episode 31. Um, today we're drinking. Yeah. Today uh, we're going to start out our episode by not. Complaining about my car. Yes. Even though I very easily could, because the saga will continue. I had my car service today, and uh, it was issue-free. <laughs> just throw that one in there, it seemed, seemed appropriate. You are absolutely the worst person. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you so much. Hmm. Yeah. Really? Uh, actually, actually, when I got my car service last time, there wasn't any problems either. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. It, it just happened to break down a month later. But anyway, anyway... You've got me off on this tangent, Sam. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to go there, so we're going to talk about the beer. And right. the beer that we are drinking this time came in a brown paper bag yeah, for some you, reason. I really suggest going to our uh, thing. Instagram. Instagram. Instagrammy thing. Oh, uh, Instagram. Yeah, thing, uh, it'll things, never take off, Peter. Things to gram. Um, uh, yeah, check it. Check it. Yeah, go it, to our Instagram. What are we, a beer with Sam and Peter or we a beer with SB on that? I don't know. One, you search either and I think it'll come up. All right, okay. Well, yeah, check that out because it's really interesting. It's like it's like your own little I'm an alcoholic kind of look. You know, it's except, like brown paper bag. It's like a six pack of I'm a little alcoholic. Yeah. Look yeah. at me. It's like baby's first alcoholic. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, um... Anyway, the beer we're drinking it's is strange. Dos Blocos. Pale Lager. Yeah. Which has a very odd drawing on the front. Do you know I mean? Descri- I'll describe the drawing. You describe the you drawing. Can, you can read out the blurb, which is equally uh, as messed up. So, uh, as far as I can tell, we've got here two old women, or, or, or the bottom one might be older. Uh, the one standing up is blonde. She's got a nose stud, face tat, might be a little bit younger, and she's spanking? I'm going to say... Spanking with a flaming hand. The flaming hand. A flaming sort of weird or, witchy or hand. performing some you other I mean? horrible, twisted sex act. Yeah, on uh, a slightly old woman, I'm going to say, with, with black hair sort of bending down. Doing a weird sort of uh, thing with her hands. Like she's sort of... Her hands are touching something yeah, that's no, not Yeah, de- definitely look it up on the Instagram because it's a bit of a weird one. And tell me how right I was. Yeah. Um, and I will now read out the, as is our tradition, read yep. out the label because that is, is also super this fucking is, weird. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about this. This seems like it's made for, for us because yeah. I read like every week I read like a, either a wanky thing about like the, the company's motto or mantra followed by like a bunch of like shit about how it's got slight caramel overtones. Yeah. This is not that. What overtones would you say are in this beer, Sam? Uh, well... <laughs> It doesn't actually say on the bottle, so you can't tell. Um, so, what the bottle says is, The story of Dos Blocos. The mole people then joined the search, but they were real. There is no actual manifesto that evolved from the underground New York movement in the late 1990s. 
which is when we first brewed beneath the city's discarded railway systems. Our beers surfaced when squats started surfacing all around the Lower East Side before those people came. Dos Blocos has been stripped bare of anything but the essential taste we could ream from the specialty pale malt and cascade hops that we have always used. Gotta, and love, that, gotta love drinking something that's been reamed. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I love a good reaming. <laughs> that's what... But, but I mean, <laughs> they've like... They've got this whole story on here, which is fine, but they're like kind of halfway. They've they've sort of like cut off the topic sentence and the clincher yeah. of the of that paragraph that they were going for, and just put dot 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 in front. Here's the I clincher suppose- of this podcast. Someone in the future, where we're incredibly famous, has found and we have our own beer. Has found this episode great. and just just sliced out a chunk and t- and like looped it where you just say that you love being reamed, <laughs> and it's gonna come and bite you. Like later on, I'm talking way later on, like like 30 years from now, when we're we're slightly older, a bit salt and peppery when, kind when of work. When we're important international businessmen, exactly. When we're but when you're an important international businessman, this is going to come up. It's going to be a scandal that rocks the world. Oh god! We need, <laughs> so, to, we need to just burn this all to the ground. Someone get on top of it now. Anyway, anyway, yeah, cheers, Peter. cheers, Sam. Because we forgot to do that last yeah. time, and I feel bad about it. Um, what do you reckon about the actual beer? I wanted it to be sort of like as weird as the bottle. I mean, it tastes like beer. You know, like, like hints of donut or something. And we will get to a donut beer. Yeah, there is we, one. We, I we saw promised it in like one of our first episodes yeah. that we would drink the donut it's beer. It's like this big we just never got to it. pink bottle. It's incredibly gaudy. It's wonderful. But I feel like now we have to, we have to have some sort of big occasion to drink it. Yeah, I don't know. I I actually quite like this. The first sip, yeah, like I've liked it more the more I've drunk of it. Like I've had maybe three or four sips, and each sip I've liked it more. You know what? I, I think it actually kind of does match it. Uh, match like the the blurb a little bit, just in the sense that it does taste a little like debrisish. You know, it's nah. like it's a little dirty. Not like I taste. I taste the earth. Bitter, you taste but the you know what I mean? Like in your teeth. It's uh, it's not like a nice, it's got earthy clean, tones. It's not like you know, you know, you drink pure, pure blonde and it's like sort of Crisp. yellow water kind of, yeah, <laughs> kind of thing to it. Yeah, this is like mud. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And thus, and our thus beer, we lost, our we lost the Dos endorsement, and our beer critiques continue to be in depth and yeah. informative. Don't get me wrong; I kind of like it too. It's, yeah, it's, it's all right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, um, yeah. Please go check that in, uh, on our Instagram, just so I like I can I can be proven right that my description wasn't too too weird and out there. Yeah. So anyway, what, what have you been up to this week, Sam? Uh, this week just in, just in life. This week I've in been, general, I've been working, uh, growing the, the the next generation of people and such. Have you been growing your bonsai? No, no, he's looking pretty sickly. What did you? Hey, what, you know what, what was the, What was the name for your you know bonsai? He was named Jeffrey. He Jeffrey. Is named Jeffrey. He is named Jeffrey. And I feel like he at this point was named Jeffrey. No, the thing is, or is, actually, is the dead bonsai formerly known as Jeffrey? I need to use Jeffrey. this as a platform, and I and I really hesitated about talking to, about this on the podcast. I knew it would be entertaining, but I don't. I didn't know whether I wanted to open this can of worms, right? But I've discovered, and I, and like other bonsai owners out there. You will feel you you will will feel this. You'll fear for me. You'll feel for me. I swear. Like owning a bonsai is that hidden next level of hell. It's awful. 
And it's not awful because the plant's hard to maintain, right? Or, I don't know, you have to place moss in a certain way or you have to water it or you have to pay attention to whether the soil... It's nothing like that. People hate you. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I was, people people want you to fail it's it's clear in their eyes i haven't had a positive conversation about my bonsai yeah you told right? me you got given a bonsai for peter Christmas preemptively from, did it from your lovely like, girlfriend uh, like mine and was I said, oh, that's gonna totally fucking yeah. die and in three say, weeks he didn't say it i mean i'm sorry peter you're my friend but you're part of the problem you didn't say it like you know, oh, like a sympathetic kind of like, oh no, now you have this burden. That's going to be really hard to maintain, friend. I'm sorry about that. It was like, it was, you, you were like, it's, it was more like, why? Why did you do this? Yeah. Why did you have the gall to buy a bonsai? <laughs> it's going to die. <laughs> and uh, it just keeps happening. It just keeps happening. Definitely no sympathy. Just willing death upon this tree. Yeah. They're just like, the leaves are a bit, br- the leaves are going brown. They're going brown. It's dead. It's dead. I don't know. It was more like a, I don't know why he bothers. <laughs> kind, of, kind, of, kind of thing. Dead. I don't know why he bothers. And I'm there in the room, so like, like I want my mentally, my head's in my hands. It is a curse. Like I actually went through a, 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 a like a small, small blip of bonsai related sort of like depression where I was like, what's the point? Do I really want to keep? Do I really want this tree to live? <laughs> If this is going to be my life now. If just everybody wants it to die. It was everyone. They would come out. They just came over, saw the bonsai. Oh, you got a bonsai. I'm like, yeah, isn't it cool? It's a tiny tree. No, there was no, oh, it's a cool tiny tree. It was just like, you know, it's going to die. <laughs> it's, it's horrific. So, it's, is, is it still alive? I don't want to talk about it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, so it is dead. I'm not talking about it. No, so, so it is dead. So, I, I like... Becoming an expert on things, and I and I, th- I thought this was an opportunity to do so. So I sort of I want to just I want to sort of preempt, preempt this what you're saying right now by saying one of the reasons I said oh Sam is going to totally die is because you did your usual Sam thing and you were like really psyched and I'm going to be an expert on this because I want to be an expert on everything and I just yeah yeah and fuck me for trying right that's what everyone was saying it was just like how dare you bio bonsai I hope it dies. <laughs> I don't hope it dies. I hope it stays alive for many years. Oh, really? I just, I just know it won't. It, it was. I mean, it's, it's harsh. If you, if you're thinking of buying bonsai, that's great. Just don't. But what I would say is, um, is before you pot it, uh, make sure you got the right soil. So I, I basically worked out what was wrong with my bonsai, and all my knowledge didn't help me. Which was there was the, the <laughs> sense of bonsai, the and they just die. No, no. So the first, the thing that kills bonsais most is. Uh, is root rot, which comes from being overwatered. Mm. People get worried that they're going to water it, and they overwater it. But the real, the real issue is that bonsais need certain soil, really like gravelly soil, like soil where it's it can't be too big. The particles can't be too big, but it just can't be clay, uh, right? Because if if you're watering that thing, like it'll dry out quick, and when you're actually watering it, it'll turn into clay, trap the water, and rot the roots. Right, so the, what you do, what you do about that is you repot it. But everything that I've read, the first thing they always say is like if it, if it's if it's something that ends with you should repot it. There's a big warning sign at the end saying, if you've planted your bonsai within the year, do not repot; it will die. So I've got soil that's killing my tree, but if I remove the tree from the soil, they're telling me it's going to die too. So I Jeffrey's just got a death mark 
I don't, I don't know what Jeffrey's to do just marked for execution. I might do a last ditch sort of like surgical thing. As I've been telling many people, brown roots on it, like the leaves on a tree are the least indicative part of it in terms of like whether it's dead or not, like people were saying. It's like it, they're sort of just sort of utility items. You know, they're just sites where, where like the, uh, the components that the tree gathers are all mixed together with the, with the carbon dioxide in the air and transformed into sugar. So the tree has fuel, right? If they go brown, like they do that often. Um, it's like, it's it's, aren't meant to though. Yeah. Yeah. They go, uh, well, the bonsai trees that, uh, of trees that go brown in certain seasons go brown as well. They're just little trees. Okay. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's a fucking expert. <laughs> Everybody's an expert on how my tree's going to die. And they say stuff like, oh, well, that's a brown patch. You know, we all know that's that time model, that time on an adage. And it's not just you, Pete. It's time on an adage. That means your bonsai's definitely dead. And I've resisted the urge because every most people have done it to me or a friend or an authority figure or something. And I just resist the urge to be like, the fuck do you know? Like, where where did that fact come from? The whole like, oh, Ginger Brown, it's going to die. Where did you read that? Nowhere. You just came up with it because you want my bonsai to die. <laughs> oh, don't. Uh, it, uh, my right. message is get the right soil and don't tell a soul. Don't tell your mum. Don't tell your dad. <laughs> don't tell your friends. You put that You put that, that thing in a nice greenhouse, cover it in like camo netting, throw some leaves on it and just disappear. Develop like some, a, develop some like. Tell everybody you've got your. Invisibility cloaks for it. Like, install a bathroom next to the greenhouse. Tell everybody you've just suddenly developed irritable bowel, and that's just how you're going to take care of this thing. You can't tell anyone about it. you just got to leave, water it, come back. It's going to be one of those things that's just for you. You suffer in silence. <laughs> okay? Uh, anyway, that's my bonsai thing. We managed to do a rant again. Well, I suppose I'm a little sorry for crushing your dreams. No, Or it's attempting right. to crush it your dreams. It was definitely a collaborative I'm effort. a little sorry. I'm not really sorry, but I'm a little sorry. I know. I know. <laughs> anyway... Maybe we should just start. Maybe this should become like a regular thing because I feel like we're both kind of people that get pissed off with different things, but often. <laughs> we need an outlet for our anger. We could just have like a rant before we start the actual podcast. Well, I feel like the homework movie for this week is somewhat random. No, no, we knew we knew what we're getting into. That's what we should talk about. The homework movie this yeah. week is Lethal Weapon. Yeah, I hope you. Uh, well, you know what? You could have skipped your homework this week. It's not really. Look, it's not, I did a little bit. At the it's end. not a great film. Like, yeah. so I um, for as sort of revered as this like action movie yeah. that just everybody that is like referenced in so much, and other it comes up media. at Christmas all the time. You know, it's a classic it's, Christmas, it's a Christmas movie. movie. Like, I, I, it's just kind of not great. It's real bad. And um, it's I, not bef- great in the way that like really bad eighties movies are not great. Yeah, it's not like it's um. It's bad because it's like, it's got that real, that real sweet, sweet 80s camp going on. Which it, it kind of, yeah, I mean, it, it does as well, but, but, but it's also just kind of poor. Yeah. Um, at, well, so I watched the, the plot my, is incredibly nonsensical. Oh, it's not even worth, actually it is worth explaining it just for the most reason. It is worth reasons. explaining it. The so, movie opens <laughs> and there's naked breasts. It's the, it's, it's the strongest scene in the movie. The most cinematically like. Yeah, mise en scène, well put together. It scene. starts well. There's like it, it, that that first scene 
which I'd never seen. Like, I should preface this by saying Lethal Weapon's one of those movies, you know, it's a Christmas movie, uh, that came on, that comes on TV a lot. Yeah. And so, since I was, you know, a little kid, I've seen bits and pieces of this movie. Yeah. I've never seen any of it. And having seen, having filled in the gaps, my sort of, like, feeling about this movie has gone down dramatically. Yeah. yeah like, sure. if you're watching the scenes, I'm, like, watching it going, oh, okay, I'm sure this makes, like, I'm, I'm sure this makes sense with context. And with context... It makes less sense. <laughs> what was the what was the actual plot of the movie? So the actual There's plot like, of Lethal this, Weapon. This girl kills her. Did she kill herself did, or did she get murdered? No, you know, that's not really the important... Uh, well, so actually, we should just... Uh, yeah, the opening scene is wonderful. And when it started, I was like... I'd never seen it before and I was like... Oh, this is... <laughs> you know, well, look. I heard this movie is opening with booze. Oh, well, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking like... Um, uh, oh, maybe this is actually all right because it, because it, it it's almost, like this it almost like, set it up for like this noir thriller. Yeah, it's like this noir scene where this young prostitute is up in a hotel room, sort of on Christmas Eve. Christmas rocks playing, but it's kind of a, a jingle a, bell rock. Jingle bell rocks are playing, but it's kind of like a listful jingle bell rock. And she she like sort of stands on She's the edge and leaps heroin leaps off, and it's one of those scenes where it's it's. Um, it's uh, meant to be one of those like nudity for. Uh, it's almost like it's almost like a, one of those scenes that's meant to invoke guilt about the nudity. You know, like one of those things where like, um, you know, that they they they, they smash that with really like uh, like a really beautiful thing with a really like ugly thing. Yeah, like the drugs, the suicide, all that sort of stuff. I think. Yeah, and it was, it was a great scene. And then the movie just really goes downhill. Just oh, immediately. Just, just nosedives. Yeah, so she she commits suicide, much, much but it turns out girl she was jumped. murdered, I guess, because some of her heroin was... Poison? Poison. But why does... But she does just jump, right? Like, how she how could she possibly... She doesn't know. No. So she just she, jumps She kills better. herself anyway, but she would have died anyway. Right. Which, which I'm sure the director was just thought was so fucking clever when he came up with it, right? Like, oh, she was murdered, actually. Like, he thought he was going to get hired by Midsummer Murders or something, you know? <laughs> um, but it well, doesn't actually, really, it actually, doesn't the, really make the sense. The writer is Shane Black, who wrote a bunch of other stuff. He wrote Iron Man 3. Mm, and um, Not the strongest of the Iron Men. I really liked Iron Man 3. I thought it was second best. Better than Iron Man 2. I meant to, it's not great either. But it's got Mickey Rourke in it. Anyway, we, we, anyway, we, we anyway. digress. Um, also, uh, he wrote this other one, which I can't remember the name of. Um, that is also quite good. Yeah. And a, but anyway. Yeah, so she um, jumps off and then uh, her father rings the... What's his name? I can't think of the actual... I can't think of the actor's name right now. But police officer num like police officer oh, Riggs. number one no, Riggs not Riggs um, no the other one Murta Murta Riggs officer Murta who's just like like, reti- he's, like he nearly he's, reached retirement cop it's his fiftieth birthday that's how it opens yeah and he's just like Ugh. and, and uh, he's too old for you know, this he's, shit he's a family man which is fine it's like the movie that invented that trope so that's fine yeah uh, but it is sort of really hacked hackly done. Like that, the introduction, and then we introduced to like a we're, weird mullet, naked Mel Gibson, who 
just this is my opinion. Peter doesn't share it, but Mel Gibson is a horrific actor. At least in this, he's terrible. There are some I, scenes I was telling Peter about one where it's like one of his introduction scenes when he's there, he's at this place where they're buying Christmas trees and he he like is pretending to buy drugs and the deal goes wrong and he has to shoot all of them. Um, and there's this scene where it really feels like he. Like, the director told him, hey, Mel, what you're going to do is you're going to dive behind this dead body for cover, like like a like a cat, and then you're going to you're fire two shots and then spring back up. It's going to be it's gonna be great. And then Mel did it, and he really screwed it up. And then the director's like, it's fine. It's fine. You know what? We'll just keep it. We'll just keep it. We'll move on. It's this scene where he's sort of just like... He was taking cover, cover like... He, like, dives... Next to the dead body. But a few inches behind the dead body, into the dirt, fires off shots that clearly don't go forward, and then sort of panic, panics as he sort of flails around trying to get up. It just... It's 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 weird how... How there's, like, those scenes in this movie. And it's weird how the, the sound quality is kind of a bit crap. Yeah, I just... Uh, my problem wasn't so much with Mel Gibson's acting. It was more just the... I suppose plot in oh, general. The plot's, the plot's it just, pretty weird. It's just nonsensical, and they have. It's, There's that camera wink moment for the title. Yeah, right. Where, 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 where is, what is the title? Where, is, the t- is the title about him? About Briggs? Is that what? It, yeah, because Mel Gibson's character, who's Mel Gibson, who's is a vet the from the special. Weapon. He's a vet from the special forces. He was a sniper in there, but he also trained in Tai Chi, <laughs> <laughs> which Mel Gibson definitely doesn't demonstrate. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? It, the, the the thing is, if you're going to have Mel Gibson in a movie, and you're going to have him get into a fist fight, by the way, Peter, that scene made no sense and was in there for no reason. Yeah, with we'll, another guy. We'll, at the we'll end, get to, we'll the, get to like that. the particularly egregious yeah. scenes. <laughs> but um, if you want him to get into a fist fight with another guy, like we're going to see that on camera. Maybe don't tell everyone that he knows Tai Chi. If Mel Gibson definitely doesn't know Tai Chi in any way. Also, Tai Chi is like meditation, like <laughs> yoga positions. Yeah, not a fighting style. <laughs> well, to be fair, I think I think Mozart also mentions like you know that Tai Chi Jiu Jitsu crap or something. Yeah, you're like a lethal weapon or something, and it's always if he turns, you know, it's one of those turn the camera wink wink moments where the where the shots are like lingers on his face, lethal weapon. <laughs> you're like a lethal. Weapon. So first of all, I, I really didn't. I, I believe the weapon's a cool name for a movie. And, I just and and finding out that it's meant it, the, the whole thing. It's it's just a name for Mel Gibson's Mel like Gibson's tai suicidal Tai Chi crazy kung fu man who doesn't do any kung fu or anything until like the final scene of the movie. And then when he does have a fight, he's not really doing kung fu. He's just sort of like. Punching and He's having a Bruce and... Willis kind of brawl with the guy. Yeah. He does some, like, arms up and, yeah. and like, fly kicks and He does something stuff, that's, like, approaching like... a bad... Uh, Chuck Norris. Yeah, like a bad Chuck yeah. Norris movie. Yeah. We, what, what was your like, egregious scene? My, my, I had a number of egregious scenes. The first <laughs> one was when... It was the first day that Murtar and Riggs were being partners, and yeah. they got called to, um, to this crime scene where a guy was threatening to jump off a building and oh, kill yeah. himself. Yeah. And they like get the situation over the radio and they get out of the car. And, re- and, and Mel like, Gibson's just like, like for like 20 minutes, 
before, immediately before this yeah. scene, they they spend all this time talking about how like Riggs, his his wife died and he's washed up and he's he's a bit and crazy. Specifically, that he's suicidal. Like he's the reason su- he gets partnered with this other guy is because he's on suicide watch. Yeah, that's why he's there. Yeah. And so they get out of the car after they've been called to try and stop this guy from committing suicide by jumping off a building. And Danny Glover goes to Riggs. You've had you've had uh, hot, like suicide no, prevention no, training, to be fair, haven't you? To be fair, Riggs, like Mel Gibson says, he gets out of the car and and sort of casually says, "Like I I, I handle this. I've had training." And Danny Glover he just, just accepts like, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, crazy it. suicidal man. I'm going to let you go talk to the other crazy suicidal man. Oh, jeez. So that was particularly egregious. Uh, the next particularly egregious part yeah. was when they finally tracked down, like, they're following the lead of the dad of the daughter who, yeah, who was murdered. The slash father. Oh, this, is, this is great, Peter. This, this, is, this is great. Let me explain this part. of this, this nugget of the story to everyone. So it turns out that the woman who really did kill herself, but was going to be killed, uh, or going to be murdered anyway, uh, she was murdered because her father, uh, who used to, who was in the war, because apparently everyone was in the war, and and he was in the Vietnam War with uh, Danny Glover's character. He was working for the. Originally, he was even yeah. Danny Glover's character. And then he was working for the other. CIA. Yeah, no, no, then he was working for the CIA. For Shadow Squad. Shadow Squad, yeah. Peter, who apparently, get this, he just sort of hand waves this, this little fact away. He's like, yeah, they, they got mercenaries, the best, the best of the best. And they, ter- they masterminded the entire war from Laos. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and now, and now, they have all agreed to become heroin dealers I guess. And they're sponsored by the government or something. Yeah. No, no, no. They, they were... Uh, I feel bad that I remember this. But they were originally... They were originally using heroin. The, the heroin CIA was using heroin To destabilize something. something. Yeah. And okay. these guys were like, hmm, I got a taste of that heroin trade. And now they're, now they're all... They're broken away from the government. Just selling heroin... And the his mate wanted to talk, so they, they killed his daughter, and his mate's got another daughter. But it doesn't really matter, because then they just shoot his mate. And I think, why didn't they just shoot his mate to begin with, Peter? Why didn't they fucking do that? <laughs> well, the other crazy thing about that scene is the the mechanism by which they shoot his mate is <laughs> they have met the yeah. mate on, in his like palatial mansion on the side of a cliff yeah. that watches out over the ocean. And the method by which they shoot him is they're in a helicopter and they have a sniper from a helicopter and the helicopter is like right next to the edge of the cliff where Mel Gibson is standing and it rises up out of the ocean and they shoot him and then it runs away. Like, how did no one... Helicopters are pretty bloody loud. How did no one hear the fucking helicopter? I mean, a few other... There's a lot of logical problems with that scene. That that was... Why do we have to shoot him right when he's speaking to the police? How about... How about we kill him before that? Like, a few minutes before they arrive. Or after they arrive. Or just before you kill his daughter. Like, minutes before, they explain why he's alive. The movie explains why he's alive. Because he says... No, they would never kill me. I'm too important. And then the next And then they, they kill him. <laughs> and I'm like, why don't you just kill him? <laughs> uh, oh man, that happens a lot. And then and then 
so this happens, but then basically the whole movie is based on what happens next, right? That's the first little bit of the movie. Yeah. The whole movie is then based on the bad guys assuming that the dad has already told Mel and Donnie and Danny everything. And they now need to go after those two police officers before they talk. Yeah. But they're police officers, so wouldn't they just talk immediately, Peter? Wouldn't they tell all of the rest of the police? And if we're, if we're sniping people... Hold on, here's another thing. If we're shooting... If we're killing that guy who they're talking to, to stop them talking... Oh my god, Peter, this is so much worse. To stop them talking to... To stop him talking to Danny Glover. Yeah. Why not shoot Danny Glover, Peter? Why not shoot Danny Glover? I don't know. Especially if this guy is so important to them. I don't know. I don't know, know. I don't then, know Sam. So if... basically, then the bad guys decide we need to track down Mel and Danny. So they do just a straight up drive by shooting. And they just suddenly. Mel, which they, is, they which like, is cool. They like. They shoot the other guy and then suddenly magically know everything about the two of them. But also, but also... Like, they know where Danny Glover lives and all that kind of stuff. But also, they... So they know where he lives, right? And they're all spec, spec ops people. But they go to kill... Like, they go to kill Mel Gibson. They do a drive-by shooting. They drive off. And then seconds later, Danny Glover shows up. Yeah. Picks up Mel. Mel says, oh, don't worry, I'm fine. I've got a vest. Now, here's, how, here's my plan. They think we're dead. No one but them watch them. <laughs> also, why did they do a drive-by shooting and just shoot him directly in the chest? They were clearly tracking him. Why didn't they shoot him when he's not in public? Or both of them. When they were together. In every other scene, Peter. Even, even though they were together in this scene as well. Oh, God. And so, basically, Danny Glover goes home. Like they but both, his, and his Mel, daughter's been captured. And Mel... For some reason. <laughs> so they're still together. And they bo- he both goes to his house and he finds it, finds a note saying that they've taken his daughter. But they still think Mel Gibson's dead for some reason. And then they the two turn to each other and they hatch an off-screen plan. And then suddenly we're at this, this like salt flat meeting, which is just amazingly, like, on such, on such an amazing scale for what it's meant to be. Like, Danny Glover turns up in the middle of this salt lake somehow. Yeah. With varying degrees. Like, this is this is one of those things with the movie that that I didn't expect. Like, maybe a stupid plot, right? But Danny Glover, if you watch that, that scene where he's at the salt flats, it's really dusty with this white dust. And it shows up on people, like, really, really clearly. And it changes, like, a lot mm. on Danny Glover's face from cut to cut. I just he's been standing that. there like this. You know, there's like a big white thing on the side of his face. And there's nothing. Then there's, there's a few things. You know, oh, as they I, were I, filming I and standing there in the yeah, salt yeah. Lake. I didn't notice that because I was just kind of a bit bored of the movie by then. Yeah. Then there's like a impossible shootout where they these guys they're too fond of their helicopter pit because then they they bring a helicopter to this trade for some reason. Which isn't. I used- mean, I mean, you've got a helicopter. I why get, not use that's your helicopter? What, that's exactly what Dolph Lundgren was telling. That, like his boss is, isn't it off screen? But we've got the helicopter. I mean, it wasn't Dolph Lundgren. It was. Oh, um, was it not Dolph? It, it was no, kind no, of like no, no, basically no, no. it was Gary Busey. It was like budget. Gary Busey's budget Dolph Lundgren. No, Gary Busey's just Gary Busey. I don't think he's budget anything. Um, yeah, they're in this uh, helicopter. Like they bring this helicopter to this exchange. 
Danny Glover's plan is to turn up there, pull out a grenade, say he's going to kill everyone. Uh, and then when that fails, Mel Gibson... And that's just going to work somehow. Yeah, and then when that obviously fails, Mel Gibson just starts shooting everyone. And then the bad guy catches Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson starts sniping yeah. everyone. And then the bad guy catches Mel Gibson and doesn't kill him, even though Peter. Hold on a second. Why? Why didn't he kill him that time? Because they already tried to kill Mel Gibson before. Yeah, clearly, yeah. clearly they're fine with killing Mel Gibson. They, why do they, they keep him? They suddenly decide that they're not going to kill Murtagh and Mel Gibson. They're going to torture them to well, see what yeah, they know plan, instead. Their plan was already always to torture Murtagh and kill Mel Gibson. And then suddenly they're fine with torturing both of them. And they need the daughter because it's the only way Murtagh will talk. But Yeah, that, that makes somewhat why sense. Why don't they think Riggs will talk with it? Ah... Uh, 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 and then there's like, like take them back to their dread pimp fortress and then there's sort of like a torture scene and then and, and Mel course, Gibson escapes with the, tor- the main torturer is doing water torture and he's Asian yeah and then you know Mel Gibson gets the opportunity to call him a chink and then strangle him with his manly thighs <laughs> 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 and then and then Mel Gibson saves the day shirtless and then has a ridiculous chase scene yeah there's a ridiculous Hold chase on a scene second, Pete, because I've just remembered something that I somehow must I must have blacked out at this point, not to think of this, but Mel Gibson starts running down the street with no shirt on, with a with an automatic rifle, <laughs> firing at at, at Gary Busey, Busey, but also just in a crowd, right in like a red light district. And then someone stops him for a second, and he just says, "I'm a police officer." And, goes, <laughs> and the police officer is like, "Okay," and he just keeps going. And then, and then Gary Busey steals a car. Yeah. Right? And it's, this whole thing just bugged me. Like, and it starts driving away. So Mel Gibson runs after him, right? Have you, did you, did you sort of think about that at the time? He runs after him, like, just sort of like Terminator style starts, starts running down the street with the semi automatic weapon shirtless. <laughs> and then, and then we sort of cut to Danny Glover for a while and we cut back and they're on the freeway. Yeah. Which means. <laughs> that Mel, that Mel, Mel Gibson, Gibson kept pace with him <laughs> until it got on the freeway. <laughs> and then Mel Gibson fires into the crowd again, gets hit by a taxi, yells at the taxi guy, turns around, and Gary Busey crashes his car. He gets out of his car that he's stolen yeah. from a bystander. Smart move. And turns to two other bystanders who got out of their vehicles... And says, get back in your cars. <laughs> and then starts to run off on foot. So he doesn't steal another car for some reason. And then he tries to outrun the man who's apparently a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> and and then... And then Mel Gibson gives up. Because he thinks, well, I could catch Gary on foot while Gary's driving. But I can't catch Gary when Gary's on foot and I'm on foot. So I guess I'll just go home. <laughs> No, then they go back to... They go and they lay a trap for him because they know he's going to go yeah. to Murtar's house. For some reason. For some reason. Even though his boss is dead and all the other people are dead. And he doesn't really need to go to Murtar's house. So he goes to Murtar's house again and they set a trap for him. he wants to avenge Sam. And then it starts epically raining in a scene that didn't need to be in the movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, bloody Gary Busey, he breaks into the house, sneaks in, and he sees this note and he reads the note. <laughs> and then a fucking... Bloody... <laughs> Daddy Glover in his car smashes into his house, 
For no reason. He vandalizes his own house. Wait, wait, but that doesn't really... And that's not even the most ridiculous part. <laughs> that doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt Gary Busey at all. <laughs> and, then, and then it starts raining. Because of course it does. And then... And then police finally show up. Like, Mel Gibson with the nips out with the machine gun didn't, didn't bring anyone. But Mel like, Gibson throws away his... All, the, like, all these police show up. And then Mel Gibson tosses away his, 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 his gun in like a... We're getting ready to have some sort of like... Weird manly. We're going to see who's the real man. Tai Chi fight off in the rain with 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 Gary Busey, which is fine, except for the fact that Danny Glover is also there, and he doesn't help. He turns to all the armed police and just sort of says, uses his I don't know executive police powers (laughs) that he must have. He's too old for this shit. And and he says like, no, let him work it out. Let them work it out. (laughs) And then they have like a. A fight that isn't very Tai Chi-ish. And then sort of de- devolves into like pole battles. It's just two convenient, gen- general, two convenient pieces general, of pole. like shitty 80s kung fu. And then they beat Gary Busey. And, um, and then, everybody's very proud of yeah. how much of a big man Mel Gibson is. Yep. And then him and Danny Glover are best friends now. And, and they're going to make three more movies. And they're going to make three more fucking movies. Of the Best Friends Club, oh. a.k.a. Lethal Weapon. Wow. Lethal Weapon's a bad movie. It's... I just... I just don't get it. Yeah, I really don't get How it. How is that movie, like, perpetuated in our culture? It's just not good. Someone wrote that movie. Shane Black wrote that And they movie. thought it was... It made sense. I'm sure it made sense at the time. I'm sure it was probably good for the time. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm a diehard. I'm a diehard man myself. And let me tell you, diehard is a big macho shooty shooty yippee motherfucker movie. But it it makes sense. Yeah, there are there are just heaps better cop and crime movies from that time period. Yeah, go like, watch diehard. Go watch D- Robocop. Go watch Dirty Harry. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I know. I'm sorry. I, I'm Everyone, sure, that's I'm sure it was rant. probably meant to be a bit dumb. That's our random. But it was weapon. just. I don't know. I feel like if that movie was to be made today, it wouldn't pass the sniff test. Le- Le- and I'm pretty sure they made like a TV show of Lethal Weapon, like oh, recently. It, you know what? It kind of feels like it almost is based on a TV show. Yeah, it's got that like kind of sixties TV show type feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry if you're a Lethal Weapon fan, but I guarantee you it's only because you watched it when you were like 14. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Anyway, that's our rant. We got I, very ranty with I that just, one. I, I feel like we haven't done, we haven't I, been so negative about a movie since like Batman vs. Superman. Oh, no, we have. We have? We have. There's been something. You've been. I have. Yeah, I know. I like to be negative about stuff. Mm-hmm. Sue me. It's our dynamic. <laughs> it's our dynamic. Um, anyway, that's Lethal Weapon. So I watched something fun this week. Yeah, you you, you mentioned yours first because I'm about in, to talk in a about throwback to our to our childhood. I watched Michael Bolton's oh, big sexy Valentine's Day special, and, and it was the, about as good as you'd expect. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Michael Bolton he did sort a, of he did a song really important to our generation after he well our, our friendship group yeah particularly after he collaborated with Lonely Island yep. And did the song Jack, Jack Sparrow. Sparrow, which you should you this should watch. This is the tale of Captain Jack Sparrow, and that's how much we could afford to have the podcast. Yeah, that's all we were able to license. Um, it's 
It's it's great. You should watch it. But it's got, it's like it's one of those things, like a more it's famous a, thing. It's like it's like the old Spice commercials or like Power Thirst. It was like it was like an amazing, like like lightning in a bottle, ridiculous, stupid thing that happened that shouldn't have been remade. And they very much try and recapture this. It's like a joint production with um, Comedy Bang Bang and like Funny or Die or something. Right. Um, and the whole premise of this. 45 minute long TV special hosted by Michael Bolton yeah. is that he 45 gets, minutes is that Santa's L it, it's actually a really funny premise it's on Netflix isn't it it's a, it's a Netflix original yeah it's a really funny premise but it's just kind of like a lot of those SNL comedy bits is they they, they have a really good idea but they just it just doesn't actually turn out to be all that funny when they put it into practice unfortunately yeah. and don't get us wrong a lot of the time, it's really funny. Yeah, but sometimes, but a lot, they're very, very hit or miss. Yeah, probably more miss than hit. Um, I reckon. Anyway, so the plot of uh, Michael Bol- Bolton's big, sexy Valentine's Day special. Yeah, uh, is not that, our stupid title. That's the actual stupid title. Yeah, that's the that's the actual stupid title. Um, is that Santa's elves have made too many? Have made uh, seventy five thousand too many presents. For children, and it's and it's February, so it's like around the Valentine's Day time. Yeah. So Michael Bolton hosts a telethon to try and get everybody to fuck more and make more kids, and he's got to make seventy five thousand ah. more children so that they can fill the quota um, of presents that Santa's elves have made in time for in time for Christmas. Christmas. They need a, Michael Bolton needs to save Christmas now, now, right now, right now. Nine months till Christmas. Yep. All right. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. And 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 that's the thing. And it's kind of a funny premise. So, so so it's like it's like one encourage millions of people. So it's like a telethon. It's like one of those sort of fundraiser telethon things, but as like a parody. So they have like musical guests on, and they have video set like pre-recorded video segments, and they have Michael Bolton doing live performances. He does like a beautiful piano rendition with this like beautifully choreographed um dance scene of uh jack sparrow yeah he has like a new ver he has a new verse to the song sam yep 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 um and he has head is in his hands yep in brackets (laughs) (laughs) um and it's not it's not amazing i probably wouldn't recommend it it's kind of funny but just yeah yeah I, I'm pretty curious about the mechanics of it, though, because the key thing about a telethon, in fact, I would say the thing that puns the teller in telethon is that people ring up. Oh to yeah, donations. yeah. So, so they, they have ring like up a, they to have say like, that they're fucking. They say like people oh, ring up and say, "Oh, we, we had unprotected sex. Se- we had unprotected sex. Put us down for one baby, basically." So uh, they have like they have like the okay. like the thing they have in telethons where they have like the bank of of people sometimes celebrities that people can call in and donate oh, to. I hope it's like a gratuitous sort of like cartoons. Yeah, well they have the they have like um that they have Santa himself and they have like a bunch of celebrities and uh, okay. and stuff like that. Chris Parnell's in it as a doctor who makes a VR experience where you can fuck his wife, but then he goes into the VR experience and batters you up because it's his wife. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. It's funny. It, there's like things that sort of when you look at it and go, oh yeah, that idea, if I wrote it down on paper, that would be kind of funny. Right. But just 
right. just isn't quite pulled off well enough. Well, fair enough. I feel like... Like a lot is, of those Funny or Die productions. This like, is going to be one of those episodes where we kind of talk shit about stuff, I, I think. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's... What's, what's your overall feeling on whether people should go see it? Well, no. Don't go... Don't watch it, I think. Straight up no? Yeah. I'm a straight up no for Lethal Weapon. Yeah. No, don't watch Lethal Weapon either. You don't need to. Go watch Die Hard. It's go, go just Die Hard. a better, it's better. better thing of the same thing. Yeah. Um... um yeah, I watched a new TV show. Uh, what, what did you watch? Uh, so I watched Frontier. Actually, I'm oh, yeah. up to the final episode of the first season of Frontier. It's a Netflix original. Yep, starring Jason Momoa. Starring it's a big bear man. Jason Momoa, who who's like is actually my most. He was Carl Drogo in Game of Thrones. Yes, if you don't know who he is, um, and he was he was the the least. He was like the smallest draw for me, actually, because there are a few actors that are English actors that I uh, really think are, are great and underutilized that show up in the show, and that's the reason that I've kept watching it. It's it's a historical drama uh, based around the uh, Hudson's Bay area, which is uh, which is a very cool place historically, and mm-hmm. actually, it's it sort of kind of basically follows. The real events, and it can do that in a ridiculous Jason Momoa craziness, bear man kind of way, because it really was an insane time and place. Um, it was it, it's sort of an early uh, colonial America, mm. and the, you know you still got redcoats roaming around and and, and shit, um, and the fur trade is massive. And all is the- it basically the Revenant, the TV show? Uh, sort of. But a bit less, like, harrowing, I suppose. So I think the cover's sort of misleading. There's, like, Jason Momoa with two axes and a big bur- a big bear coat on, which is why I watched it. Mm. Um, but it's it's more like a clash of a bunch of factions, right, over this area. So there was the Hudson Bay Company, which is, like, one of those British arms of the, arms of the British government kind of companies where, like... Red like they do all that shit for in, them. East India trade. Exactly. It's basically like an arm of the government. Yeah. And they lost power there, created a vacuum when they were pushed out. All these other guys have come in and then they send this insane guy, a real guy, uh, they send him uh, back there with a bunch of soldiers that have been uh, disgraced for some reason, you know, like excessive violence, stuff like that. To go retake the area. Uh, and that guy's name I can't remember for some reason right now, but his his uh the act he's played by a guy called Alan Armstrong. Oh yeah. Who uh, I really like. Um if you've watched the thing that we uh, people would probably most remember him for is uh, New Tricks. He plays Brian. Oh really? In New Tricks. Oh and, uh, and yeah, and it's a very different role. He's a murderous sort of imperial uh psychopath. Cool. Um, and he's, he is pretty cool. He has that whole Denethor scene. He is very Denethor where he's like, you know, like eating food and there's, yeah. he cuts his hand accidentally and he sort of eats it anyway. And, you know, um, talking about his evil plot. Uh, because of course he does. Yeah. So, so he turns up, uh, he trained, he employed this guy called Declan Harp, again, a real guy, Jason mm-hmm. Momoa's character, who was half Irish, half Native American. And uh, was generally sort of just like crazy and murderous as well. And he sort of became like a mad dog, bit the hand that fed him. Uh, Alan Armstrong killed his 
family uh, of course recompense in real life and uh, then he's had his own splinter faction of very few people like 70 people but 70 other madmen and they were just sort of like terrorizing in the general area right uh, and then there was a, a, a group of three brothers three Scottish brothers two of them are sort of like big Scottish ruffian idiots who went out into the field. One was a pansy Scottish man who had all the business. Uh, he ended up borrowing money from an American guy who was more insane than all the others in sort of a, sort of a, like a less endearing insane than Alan Armstrong or Declan Harp, you know, where they're like covered in furs and human blood. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, I like that guy. You know, like, Oh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got mustard. He's a cartoon character. Yeah. Um, he's like the Revenant, you know, like he's, He's, he's like Leonardo DiCaprio from The Revenant. Or more like Tom Hardy from The Revenant. <laughs> um, this guy's like, you know, clean and uh, methodical kind of dude. Lots of money. And he get the Scottish people get in debt to him. So he gets the Scottish guy to do all his shit. There's this woman who whose mouthpiece is her drunk husband. She's pretty cool. She's played by Katie McGrath. Another one of my the act- actresses that I like. She plays uh, Morgana in Merlin. Oh, yeah. She's good. She brings this sort of thing where she's very beautiful, but she's also kind of just naturally kind of cold. Right. Uh, yeah. There's all these people clashing over the area. That's the show. And for, the, Jason, for the most part, you're saying, hey, where does Jason Momoa come in? He's Declan Harp, the, the, oh, okay. the guy who His worked for Alan Armstrong, family got killed. And now he's out for now he's insane. The, the actual main character is is this guy called Michael Smith. Is who, Jason Momoa not the main character? No. Oh, he's what? way too nutso to be the main character. The main character is Michael Smith, who, as I understand it, was a real guy, but he was just sort of a, an Irish street urchin thief kind of dude. So there's no record of him before he starts doing notable things with Declan Harp. Right. So they sort of fill that in at the start and it's really obvious because his story makes little to no sense <laughs> and then all of a sudden makes sense if you know what, like, what I mean yeah. when they sort of splice them together yeah the, the <laughs> like he just sort of like he's he's just he, there's this scene where he's just like playing with his other Irish friends as he's like they're stealing like apples to eat and now they're being all sort of like oh lovable Irish thief and then he goes to steal some gunpowder on um Lord something or other ship. I keep trying to so like tip of my tongue kind of thing. Alan yeah. Armstrong's ship as he's about to set sail. And he, he called Lord Trumbull. He's like, oh, something like that. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like caught. And, uh, he like rats out this other guy to Lord Cumble Wumble who then, uh, just like murders that guy himself, like in front of everyone. It's a great, it's a great scene. He's just like, oh, okay. You know, you know, good for you. You, you ran out the right guy. He like pulled out his knife and just, Brutally kills this dude, tosses him overboard, and then says, "You can work for me on the ship." So, sorry, what? For some reason, <laughs> and then when he gets there, he's like, "You know what? You're Irish. Declan Harp's father was Irish. I want you to go out into the wild, a street urchin with no knowledge of this horrible, horrible place, and go make friends with Declan Harp, the murderous psychopath, and then tell me where he is." <laughs> um. Sorry, what? And then sort of this guy meets he meets up with a drunk priest. He was like a classic trope drunk priest character. He's lovable, but, you know, a drunkard. But he's a drunk priest. And likes to ogle the, the, the... So there's this bar. The barmaiden, she's a really cool character. She gathers information, right? 
And then I feel like there's a character that was made in about three minutes in a room where someone said, we need people to staff the bar. We need characters who are in the scenes with the, the woman who knows everything. You know, she owns the only bar. Everything comes in and out. Yeah. She's always running rackets. Uh, okay. We'll put it, we'll put in sort of like a, like a, oh, auburn hair kind of. A comely wench. Just sort of like a, just a wench, just a regular wench. Oh, you know, is there enough going on in these scenes for all the, all the slack jawed people to pay attention? Now, how about we throw in another girl? Let's have everyone else dress in conservative dress like the time. And then let's just throw in a blonde chick with huge jugs and then, Let's just give her sort of like a like an Oktoberfest type of like outfit. Uh, yeah, let's just do that. <laughs> um, so just lots of cleavage. Yeah, yeah. I think I've I think I've covered all. The, I mean, I. So what do you I, like, what do I, you I like about? I, the I show? Almost, like I almost am known for liking my my strong female characters. I really don't want you to think that I'm just like. There's just this character that makes no sense. All right, I'm angry about it because I would like her to make sense. Yeah. You know, that's why I talk about it. But, um, yeah, the show's pretty good from episode two all the way up to the end. It's pretty good. So episode one's kind of crap. Yeah. Uh, I think it's one of, they face this thing where, you know, like if you're watching something like Hornblower or, or, or some of those historical shows where the people who, who you're basing it on were interesting from the beginning of their lives, like their relevant story begins at their beginning. In this in this show, all the character stories don't begin at their beginning, right? <laughs> so we somehow need to introduce everybody yeah. and let everybody know what's happening. And they sort of just decided to to not come up with a clever way to do that and to just sort of do it. So in the first episode, it feels like everyone's in a play, right? So, like, so is it very much the like this is the episode we need to kind of just explain tell, everything, explain everything, yeah. tell everybody who every other so, yeah, character this is. There's a stowaway just scene. Have a massive amount of exposition. There's, well, there's no a reason. scene that, like, if I want to pinpoint it to one scene, there's this scene where uh, Lord Cumblewumble's uh, second in command, who is he? He's sort of akin to the to Lord to, Lord Toscobble. Yeah, he, he's sort of akin to the the wench in the bar. Like he's one of those three minute characters. It seems like. Uh, everybody else, every other officer you meet, red coat officer, he's like the guy who's his right hand man in the army. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I get that he's meant to be the sort of scummy type of guy, right? Because Lord Cumberwumble only hires the the worst. But everybody, everybody's got a title. If you if you're a leader in the red coats, it's not like the British Navy. The British Navy were really sort of like proud of the fact that you could get. Someone, as long as you could, you had enough money to sneak in at officer level, uh, which actually it's not that much, it's about brains more than money. You could make it all the way to Admiral, right? The way the army worked in England is that there, you signed up and if you had a title, you were immediately a commander, yeah. which is why they made so, so many stupid decisions, right? Uh, so they're all like nice, gentle people. So and they're, all the, and like he, minor noblemen. Yeah. And then his assistants were war leaders. His like, officer guy has this incredibly thick like south london accent where he, he sounds like he's from snatch right no no he sounds like uh ray winston right so i don't think that's a good idea governor governor <laughs> <laughs> and he just is like classic oh i'm gonna i'm gonna kill them all governor you tell me oh, i'm gonna slice them and dice them 
Yeah, so he's having a conversation with Lord Cumberwumble, and Lord Cumberwumble just sort of like turns to him and he's just like, yes, now we have to come up with a way of getting rid of Declan Harp, right? First time they've mentioned Jason Momoa. Yeah. And the uh, and, and thin Ray Winston goes like, oh, don't worry, I'll kill him. And then Alan Armstrong, evil Brian is like, do you, how, how are you going to do that? Do you know who Declan Harp is? And then what basically happens is <laughs> it's a montage. thin rate. Please tell me it's a montage. Well, like, it, it would really fit if the lights dimmed everywhere else, and and he like sort of walked towards center stage, <laughs> and he delivers maybe a minute and a half sort of synopsis Just on a soliloquy on who Jason Momoa is. Um, right? Of course I know. Oh, what are you talking about? Of course I know who Declan Harp is. He started the his early <laughs> life, and then you're like, it's all he just he, he just reads word for word his Wikipedia article. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So the first episode is a bit to get. to. If you can struggle through, like, it, if you like that kind of thing, it's definitely. I would say it. Uh, from that on, it's a fairly strong, uh, B grade historical drama. Right. It's so, not. Your, it's not your Vikings, where it's it's it, even if it was made up, it's pretty great TV. Mm. It's. It's, you know, a kind of ridiculous historical thing, but I find it really fun. If you can push through the first episode. Yeah. Okay. Which you can because I laughed hysterically. Okay. First. So, like, so people should check that out. Uh, if you're um, into that kind of thing, if, if buzzwords like pelts, uh, like vicious bear men, scalping. And Jason Momoa. Uh, the Revenant, living in the wild, all that kind of shit. Um, you definitely check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. That's going to kind of do us for the episode yeah, this week. Yeah, I know we've been talking about stuff that we've kind of been making fun of a bit. Yeah, but, you know, that happens. It's fun to do that Whatever. every now and then. It's fun. You know? Um, homework movie for next week. Yeah, we've really tried to sort of push back in the opposite direction with this one. So we chose a movie. Yeah, we're, so, we're sort of just chopping and changing all over the place. Yeah. This Eternal Sunshine we... for the Spotless Mind, Lethal Weapon. Now we're back and on now, the other side. Yeah. Now we're back on the other side and we... we're going to watch Her. Yeah, we picked a movie. That... Spike Jones, um, starring... Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin and Phoenix. Scarlett Johansson. And Scarlett Johansson. Not in the flesh. Um, and yeah, so we're going to watch that. It's a it's a wonderful movie. It's a, it's a really cool yeah. movie and um, we decided I'm keen to watch it we, again. We both unanimously sort of think is is a really great yeah. film so yeah. yeah so that's our homework movie for next week it is her just the word her, her. if you're getting confused yeah yeah um as always um rate and review us on itunes because that's that's cool and that's helpful and yeah actually, that helps us get more listeners i think we haven't mentioned this in a while but if you really want to help us out grandma um if you're listening uh i'm sorry for swearing first of all uh but uh, leave a comment on iTunes. I don't know why iTunes sort of crazy mojo. Uh, Whatever their weird algorithm yeah, is. They really love comments. Bad or good. You know, if you really hated us, throw in a comment. Yeah. Um, yeah, so do that. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. We're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash We have an Imgur account, but there's nothing on it. So don't go there. Yeah. Why would you even bring that up if there's nothing on it? So go, yeah, we have, we have an Instagram account which you should Instagram, go to. Yep. check out these ridiculous A B with S P. Yeah, um, that's pretty. That's that's pretty much us. Yeah, I think, and that's it. That'll that'll do it. Yeah, we'll be here next week. That'll do. I'm sure we'll. That'll we'll be, do. We'll have a new rant next week. We'll have a new rant for next. And week. we'll both be Sean Connery next week. Yeah. <laughs>